Hi, everybody. Welcome to episode 46 of No Crying in Baseball, the wrong kind of beer episode. My name's Patty, and I'm not here with my friend Potty Mouth. I'm here in Albany, New York, and she's back in the studio with El Jefe. I miss you, Potty Mouth. I miss you, too. It's so weird not seeing you on the other side. Even weirder is El Jefe made me sit in your seat, so it's kind of like I'm sleeping on the wrong side of the bed kind of feeling. It's it's weird, but it's good to hear you anyway. Likewise. That's just all wrong. We'll try to fix that next week, and maybe we'll all be together again, one big happy family. We better be. We better be. Although, I just I want to give a little cheers to the other potty mouth. I thought she did fantastic last week. She was adorable, and she did get to use that key word. She could have gotten a, a few other words in there, here or there, but we'll work on that, right? She said, you know what? It just didn't come up naturally. There was just no reason to swear, and I thought other people could feel that way, too, but they don't. No, no. <laughs> but I am still glad you're back, Regulation Potty Mouth. Thank you. So today we're going to talk about Players Weekend, which is happening right now. We're going to talk about how Ronald Acuna Jr. got his revenge on the Marlins. We're going to talk about some suitcase injuries, the resurgence of the Oakland A's. No one saw that coming. We're going to have another vocabulary lesson, this time about trade waivers. We're talking about the Women's World Cup happening right now and the Little League World Series also happening right now. But first... Fun with Players Weekend. We talked about nicknames before. Now we're going to talk about what happens when those nicknames are the same on both teams. We had an incidence of moose on moose violence. That's right. My boyfriend, Mike Moustakas, hit a two-run home run against the Pirates' Joe Moose Musgrove just the other day. Moose on moose violence. You heard it here first. And even What you got, Pi? I was going to say that even more confusing is the plural of moose is moose, right? So maybe there, <laughs> there you go. There's more than one moose inherently. I was, but only one of them is my boyfriend, uh, and and he should reign. I was surprised that there was another. I I like Players Weekend too. We talked about the nickname aspect of it, which was lots of fun. But then there's the style aspect. These guys not only have these their nicknames on their jerseys, but they get to wear any cleats that they want, which goes back to discussions that we've had on this podcast about regulation cleats and what that means. These cleats are styling. And it actually cements the reason why Adam Jones really should be on the kids' fantasy baseball boyfriend league instead of mine, where he started, because his cleats are full of junk food. It's sort of like, <laughs> I think, the kid's dream. That That's pretty cool. Uh, another impressive set of cleats belongs to I, – I can't believe I'm saying this. I'm saying something good about CC Sabathia. He has really cool cleats. It happens. Uh, yeah, I mean, I do compliment his pitching under my breath quite a bit. And not only that, it turns out that he is one of only 15 African-American pitchers with over 20 wins. And they call the group the Black Aces because it's that elite, that impressive. And it includes CC and, I have to say, David Price of the Red Sox. So he's wearing cleats to commemorate that. Another one of our faves, like real faves, Smiley Lindor, uh, your boyfriend on the Cleveland team, has a pair of cleats full of really funky colored hashtags that have a lot of meaning, including Puerto Rico strong. And we remember his big role in the series in Puerto Rico where he hit a home run going back. He has a hashtag for remember Parkland and end bullying. So go Lindor, nice boyfriend pick on your part. There's a lot more and I'll put a link in there because the, the video or not video, photo, photo image is half of the cool thing about it. And the other cool thing to look at is their hats. They get to wear two-tone funky hats where the brim is a different color than the rest of the, t the hat. Just something different for this weekend. 
I like it. And a lot of those cleats are designed by artists that work with the players. So it's not just, you know, I'm I'm expressing myself, but I'm allowing artists to show their stuff in a way they, they're getting a lot of play. They're getting a lot of coverage about, which is very cool, too. Sounds good to me. So last week, we talked about Ronald Acuna Jr., who is my pal Juan Soto's biggest competition for Rookie of the Year, and how he got beamed in the elbow and how horrible it was. And there was much upheaval between the um, the Braves, where Acuna plays, and the Marlins. Well, they played again. Acuna and his Braves played the Marlins again. And Acuna got his uh, – he got – this time it really did seem to be an accident because who in their right mind would bean the man twice – so he hit a home run that went 435 feet in Marlins Park and took a chunk out of the wall. So he broke their park. So stop messing with the Cunha because he'll get you back in a way that doesn't hurt the people, but leaves a mark. You got to admire that because we, we do always talk about the ethics behind hitting somebody with a 90 plus mile an hour baseball. Hitting a wall, much better way to resolve an argument. More news this week. Happy injury return for Aaron Sanchez, one of the starters of the Blue Jays who have been having some struggles this year. He's been out for 60 days on the DL due to a bruised finger, something serious from the, for a pitcher. And he's finally coming out and saying why. And it, and it harks back to my buddy, my, one of my fantasy baseball boyfriends from the Royals, Salvador Perez, who at the very beginning of the season, I think it was like opening day, I was all psyched about my roster. And he got hurt. He twisted his knee holding a suitcase. Well, Sanchez comes out with his own suitcase injury. He actually got his finger stuck in his suitcase and something happened and it twisted and he was bruised and he was in denial, which I can relate to. I know that feeling when you don't really want to be injured. He went out, he pitched that day, and then he was on the DL for 60 days. So I think the moral of the story is during the baseball season, just have somebody else handle the baggage, right? They got to have people for that. We're also welcoming back the Oakland A's because everybody counted out the Oakland A's at the beginning of the season, right? They they were the last place the last three years running. They had the lowest payroll of any team in the major leagues starting this year. So everyone thought, eh, yet another rebuilding year for the Oakland A's. Well, they are giving the Houston Astros a run for their money. And so much so that just this week, both 538 and Sports Illustrated did features on them. It's like, what is happening? How are they coming back like this? The last time the A's made so much news were in the Moneyball years. And this is so much not the Moneyball stuff anymore because now everyone uses the same kind of on-base percentage. The things they were doing that were unusual then are not unusual now. Everybody does it. So what are they doing different now that is causing this resurgence? Well, number one, Chris Davis is currently the MLB home run leader, hanging on by a thread, but he is. And that kind of came out of nowhere, too, because he wasn't doing so well at the beginning of the year. And then boom, 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 he is back. He's on top. But the interesting thing that the A's are doing, it's not about the individual so much as it is about how the team is working together. They play differently at home than they do on the road. They lead the major leagues with on the road home runs, right? So they're all working on, you know, the, the launch angle, all of that, that everybody is. But everybody's doing it and they sort of customize it to the ballparks that they're in. Their pitchers are able to get the opposing team to hit a lot more ground balls. They're not necessarily going for the strikeout. They're going for these ground balls. So they're really good infield defense can play and get the outs, 
right? They're not going for the strikeouts and the home runs. They're going for some small ball defense, which is pretty cool. And they are hitting more fly balls than anybody else. So they're inciting more ground balls and they're hitting more fly balls. So they're they're kind of on top on both ends of, of the spectrum there. And their relief pitching is kind of fantastic right now. Other than then Minea, they don't really have any starters. Their starters are kind of coming and going, right? Because of injuries and all of this, they don't have the big names. But their relief pitching has been spot on, especially Blake Trinan. Um, he's been a terrific closer for them. So all of a sudden, the A's coming from the basement to um, pretty clear. They're breathing down the necks of the Houston Astros. So I'm curious to see what's going to happen there. We're going to post links to both the 538 and the Sports Illustrated article because they're really pretty interesting to say, here's where they're coming from and watch out. Let's see how far they can go. Yeah, and that home run stuff. I mean, it was J.D. Martinez who's been on top for a long time and everybody's been talking about him going for the triple crown and maybe Mookie Betts being in his way with batting average. And here comes Chris Davis booting him out of the home run leader. So this is going to make J.D. Martinez work just a little bit harder. And speaking of working just a little bit harder, we're willing to do that. Can't get enough of us. If you want to hear us more, you can become a Patreon member. And that costs as little as a buck a month, like a quarter an episode. And that gets you access to more of us. Special content, full-length interviews, and other stuff. I don't know. To be To be announced. You could even hear your name in a future episode. Just go to patreon.com slash no crying and b-ball. That's p-a-t-r-e-o-n dot com slash no crying and b-ball. And you can become a supporter today. You'll find everything you need there to support NCIB. Thank you so much. There have been a lot of trades in the headlines. We're going to talk about how these trades are working in just a minute. I want to talk about one trade in particular, and then we're going to talk about trades in general and some vocabulary words about trade waivers. But first, you may have heard that the Chicago Cubs picked up Daniel Murphy from the Nationals, which I thought I was going to be sad about, but I'm kind of okay with because he hasn't been able to turn a double play in a couple of weeks and has been making me sad. Interesting thing that happened, along with Murphy's bat and his offense, the Cubs also got his history of homophobia. And the Cubs fans are not having any of it. So we talked about this before, that years ago he made some remarks based in his Christian faith, love the sinner, hate the sin stuff, and I don't agree with Billy Bean's lifestyle and all of this, but we're friends now, so it's okay. Well, it's not okay to a lot of people. And a lot of Chicago Cubs fans are saying, hey, um, what the hell? We can't have this guy. How can we root for you when you're you're you know you're you're supporting you're bringing this guy on because he's got a bat? But look at how he talks. Look at how he's behaved. We know it's a long time ago, but he hasn't really apologized since. So he's been called on the carpet, and and he was asked in an interview, "What do you say to these communities who don't want to root for the Cubs because you're a member of the team now?" And he said, "Well, oh dear, I hope they would root for the Cubs." So, wow, he said, oh, dear. He didn't say, I'm sorry. Let me take this opportunity to apologize for my words. He didn't do that. So this is going to follow him. This is three years ago now, and it's still following him. And I got to say, I'm kind of okay with that, you know, until he kind of fixes what's wrong instead of avoiding it. I'm okay that it gets brought up over and over again, no matter where he goes. Yeah, and I'm kind of okay that he's not on our nationals now to not feel that sort of tension of rooting for a team with that kind of stain on it. I know there's the Trey Turner thing, but it's different because Turner did acknowledge it directly what the issue was and promised to make changes. Whereas, as you said, Murphy's just skirting it, right? He's not answering questions. And he continues to show that he still stands by his past words. 
He does. He does. And the, the Cubs said, oh, well, we talked to Billy Bean and Billy Bean said it was a good idea. I said, well, yeah, it's a good idea because you need his batting average, but it's not a, not a good idea in our souls. Let's talk about trades on a on a wider level right now. So we have the non non waiver deadline at the end of July. This Friday, August thirty first, is the next trade deadline. The deadline here is doesn't mean you can't make trades anymore. It just means that anyone you trade you you acquire after the thirty first can't play in the postseason. Now, the first thing about this I want to tell you is don't panic. When you see your favorite players have been placed on revocable waivers, do not panic. This is what happens in August. Teams put a whole bunch of their lineup out for waivers just to test the waters. It doesn't mean they really want to trade this guy. When you put somebody on waivers, the other teams have an opportunity to claim them, and it starts in reverse order. So if it's a, you're a National League team and you put somebody out for waivers, the lowest that the National League team with the with the worst record gets the first chance to claim that player, and it goes up and up and up till you get to the number one team in the National League, and then it starts again in the basement of the American League and back up. So all of those teams in order get a chance to claim somebody on waivers, and the first time somebody claims them. Three, one of three things needs to happen in 48 hours. The Nationals have an example of each of these three things. So I'm going to go ahead and use them as these examples. The first one is they can make a deal. The Cubs claimed Murphy and the Nationals worked out a deal for a prospect, for a player to be named later, later possibly some money. They worked out an actual trade. So Murphy's gone. The second thing you can choose to do in 48 hours is give up a player and their salary for no return. That's what they did with Matt Adams. That's the one I'm sorry about. Um, and he went to the Cardinals. So the Cardinals picked him up, but also picked up all the salary that is due him. So the Nationals, who are kind of throwing in the towel, got to say it, can free up some salary money for yet more rebuilding. All right. So they made a deal for Murph. They sort of gave up Adams and his salary. That was number two. And the third one is the most common thing that happens, which is pulling that player back off of waivers. You may have read that the Dodgers claimed Bryce Harper. Well, they put the claim out and the Nats said, ha, just kidding, and they pulled him back. If they were to put him out again and somebody claimed him, they would have to act on that. You can't revoke that waiver twice. You can only do it once. But a lot of people get put out there just to test the waters, just to see what other teams might be interested in that player, for instance. They call it clearing waivers if you've put somebody out there and 48 hours go by and no teams claim them. Once you have cleared waivers, you are open to trade that player to any team at any time. You don't have to go in a particular order. You can make whatever deal you can make. One of the things that happens there is players that are soon to be free agents might get picked up just for the end of the season, just to help a team get through the playoffs. They joke about that being a rental because you're just going to have that guy for two months or three months or something like that. Remember, a free agent is someone who has played uh, Major League Baseball for six years. They have six years of Major League service. Once that's over, they are free to make a deal with whoever they want to make a deal with. You get hired by whoever pays you the most, the city you most want to play in, whatever that is. Um, a lot of people are going to be free agents next year. It's going to be a really high-priced uh, class. So a few of those folks got moved around as rentals. Manny Machado, for instance, got moved as a rental. He's still going to be a free agent, but the Dodgers needed him for a couple of months. They got him. So don't panic. If you see your favorite player has been put on waivers, has been claimed by somebody, it doesn't mean they're leaving just yet. 
after Friday, there'll be fewer trades, there'll be less excitement, but it's still going to go on a little bit. But those are your vocabulary words for this week. And and what do you think? Does this give us any inkling about what the Nats feel about Harper for next year? I mean, are they put? did they putting him out now to sort of see if they could get enough money to make it worth it now or to see how much money they're going to have to pay to be in contention next year or to see who else might really be interested, who they're going to be fighting against for next year. Do you think? Right. I think, I, yeah, I think what they want to do, what they want to do is if you are the team that has the guy who's going to be a free agent, you have the opportunity to make them an offer, which the Nats clearly want to do with Harper. If Harper turns down that offer and another team picks them up, the Nationals will score extra things like extra um, draft picks from the team that picks them up. You get rewarded if you have made an offer to a free agent coming from your team and they have turned you down, you get you get reimbursed in other ways. So I think they would not trade Harper soon. They're going to see how much they can ideally make an offer that he'll go with. But if you won't, how much are you going to get back to get paid back for having him all this time? Yeah, and you know that's going to be our really big story next year because he's shown so much DC pride this year and people are loving him. And as you said, the Nats have thrown in the towel uh, well, hope it, it appears. It appears that they've thrown in the towel for this year. So if you are a fan of a team that you think is thrown in the towel, or if you just want to expand your horizons, there's something else going on this Friday and every day up until then. And that's the Women's Baseball World Cup, which we are following and you really should be following too, because damn it, it's just time for a sea change. We need to appreciate women's baseball. We've been talking about this a lot. Patty, you had the interview last week and we've talked to Perry Barber and we've been trying to follow this women's tournament. And it's important because it's a chicken or the egg sort of situation. Do you start watching now and give the the credit to the sponsors and to the broadcast? But then they also talk about, like you did last week, going back to the lower levels. Well, it has to start young and at Little League. And I'm just kind of feeling like, let's just do everything, whatever we can at this point, because I've been watching these games and it's pretty exciting. This week, uh, when this podcast drops, actually, we're going to be going into the super rounds. So right now there's two groups, group A and group B, six countries per group. Country is not really the correct term because Puerto Rico, again, is its own team separate from the United States. So Group A has the United States leading. They're the only country that's four and zero. Looks like they're going to be going on to the super rounds for sure. Group B has Japan leading, and they're also four and zero. And they haven't lost a Women's Baseball World Cup game since 2012. There's a lot to say about Japan and their organization. But first, just to clarify these rounds. So the top three of each group, Group A and Group B, will go into the Super Rounds midweek, which will be like the playoffs to the finals, which are on Friday, that trade deadline day. The other, the other uh, teams who place four, five, and six get to go into consolation rounds so that they're still playing and that they're still different uh, seeds, really, for what happens for next year. So we've been talking about how Japan has been seeded first and Canada second and U.S. third at this point. 
which is pretty impressive for a team that hasn't really played together. And actually, the U.S. pitching coach says, considering that we're a team whose players see each other only at the trial, that's those tryouts that we talked about in June, and then for one week of practice before the tournament, damn it, they're doing pretty well. Whereas in Japan, they have a Japan Women's Baseball League. It's only four teams. But it's something. I mean, they're playing. They have teams that play through a season. They have an organizational structure. They even have corporate sponsors. They even have fans. So I think we should be able to do this this here. They've only been doing that since 2009. That's all fairly recent stuff. We now have the Baseball for All tournament, which just happened with the Little League level of girls players. And it just needs to connect. There's just not the pipeline going on in this country, which I know that you talked about last week also. If you want to see the Women's Baseball World Cup, you can go to YouTube. It is streaming there every game. You can go to the WBSC.org website to get a link if you want. And I was also really psyched this morning to hear the voice of our friend Alfredo Alvarez from Con Las Bases Llenas podcast, who we talked to several episodes ago. He's doing the Spanish play-by-play call, and it is way better than the English. So if you understand Spanish at all, or even if you don't, go to the Spanish feed and listen to Alfredo because he's doing an amazing job. The games have been competitive, some of them, and some of them not so much. There have been some squeakers. There was this awesome defensive game between the U.S. and Venezuela, I think, yesterday, where the U.S. won three to nothing, three to one, three to one. Canada and Japan ranked number one and two, went one and two. Canada won to Japan, too. But there have also been these blowouts. The U.S., Puerto Rico, U.S. 14, nothing. Australia over Hong Kong. 24 to 2. And so in the back of your mind, when you hear a score like 24 to 2, you think, mercy rule, please. And the answer is yes, yes. They're paying attention to pace of play. There is a mercy rule. If you're leading by more than 10 runs after five innings, that's it. There's also a a pitching rule. Pitchers have 12 seconds to deliver the pitch. You get three mound visits for free without changing a pitcher. So they're trying to work on the pace of play here. But it is exciting. Check it out. We have a player to watch on the U.S. team. Her name is Megan Boutsell, and she has had 10 at-bats, and she still has an average of 700. She has hit the only home run in the in the tournament so far, um, at least at the time of this recording on Sunday afternoon. She has 10 RBIs, slugging 1.400, doing really well. So check out the Women's World Cup. There's lots of good players doing good things. And there's another tournament happening now, which is getting a little bit more press, and that's the Little League World Series. The uh, championship game is right now, 3 p.m. today, um, which is while we're recording. And that is the Asia Pacific, which is South Korea, versus the west of the United States, which is Hawaii. So by the time you listen to this podcast, there will be a winner. We will post it somewhere. And we'll see. It's sort of following this pattern that we've seen before of teams pulling together in the face of of challenge, in the face of some sort of conflict with their home city. And in this case, or, or a state or, or a town, in this case, it's Hawaii, which is dealing with a hurricane right now. And one of the Hawaii ace pitchers, um, Aokai K, said, we're playing for home. We're playing for Hawaii. They feel that, that pressure, the people needing something for uplifting, right? And Three out of four of their games were shutouts. They won all four so far, and here they are in the finals right now. 
Another team that did well um, didn't make it quite to the finals, but they won the first three and then lost against Japan, who lost against South Korea, who's on the other side of finals. That team is Puerto Rico. Again, a year later, still dealing with the ramifications of their hurricane. And these little kids bleach their hair just like the Puerto Rico team from the World Baseball Classic. And they're Los Little Rubios. So they did really well also supporting their home. These games have been on anything called ESPN, ESPN Plus, ESPN, ESPN2, ABC. And all I want to say to all those ESPN stations is a couple women's baseball World Cup games. I I mean, the final, couldn't you? Really? Yeah, the kids are adorable, but the women are playing some kick-ass ball too, so please show them. We would like that a lot. I'm actually heading out to another minor league game. I'm up here in Albany, the home of the Tri-City Valley Cats, which is an Astros Class A short season team. And I didn't even realize this, but they're playing the Aberdeen Ironbirds, which is the Baltimore Orioles Class A short season team. So we're kind of excited that yet again, we get to see one of our home teams, even when we're on the road. But the cool thing about the Valley Cats Other than they had Seth Beer. Remember we talked about Seth Beer, the draft choice, who was going to get the name Beer on the back of the the jerseys? He was there for about a month, but he's already moved up the ladder. So I I can't get a a Beer shirt with Valley Cats on the front. But our friends um, Jose Altuve and George Springer and Dallas Keuchel all came from the Valley Cats. So I have a feeling I may be seeing somebody this afternoon that we're going to be seeing play professionally not too long from now. Is, so, is that some kind of preview, cats versus the birds? That that sounds ominous right there. Yeah, I'm, I'm not sure how that's going to – it sounds a little bloody, but we'll, yeah. we'll let you know how it works out. But a couple of those guys are boyfriends, and there's something happened in the fantasy boyfriend baseball Fuck! league that I, I don't think I've said that yet. I'm a little excited about. Yeah, I, not so much. I am fucked with fantasy boyfriend baseball at this point. Me and my Astros pitching and, damn it, Osuna being there, and I am not taking him on my pitching, so – I am down a dependable closer slot, and I am starting to drop. I dropped down past you this week, but somehow managed to tie it back up. We're still at second. Deborah in our Fantasy Boyfriend Baseball League is number one. But you and I are now neck and neck, and then you're after that again. So you're sort of double up there. My second team is is absolutely lost. But it just sort of goes to hit home that shit happens during the season to your players and uh, not much you can do. That a manager's job is not easy, and neither is the front office's job. And we're kind of doing both of those things with our fantasy teams. So we're going to see what happens by next week. I'm hoping to hang on to this tie, maybe, uh, maybe edge up a little bit. We'll see how that goes. But while all that is going on, we're hoping that you're listening to the show and telling your friends about it, subscribing and rating and reviewing, and checking us out on social media. And until next week. Say good night, potty mouth. Good night, potty mouth.